0: Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit today, uh, uh, or a lot a bit today, about some of this. I do believe that what I have to share with you, I, I, I honestly was, like so many times, I, you know I was going to skip over this because I thought you know, we 've read this before it 's just not that big of a deal it 's a small thing, and as God has a way of doing, He has you know convicted me and shown me that no it 's not a small deal. I find it amazing that God takes these things that I think are small deals and brings them to a place where they really become life changing life altering life directional changing messages that will Help us. How many of you know God gave us his word to help us? And so we can't look past things. We, We have to look into things because his word is a well of life. And so I'm going to share something with you today. What you do with it, obviously, will be your choice. I pray that you'll take it and apply it that you'll take the things that God says. I'm gonna share with you some things in the spiritual portion of this and some things out of the, the natural because again, they, they intersect and we have got to understand that. And so you can, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 5. We are going to continue in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. If you want to go to the app, you can go to the app and inside of the, uh, the media part, there's sermon notes and you can find those sermon notes that are in there and some fill in the blanks and hope to keep you engaged in what we're talking about here. And it will help you with the life groups as you talk about some of these things together. So let's, uh, are you ready to receive from the Lord? Amen. All right. Come on, let's just open our hearts by prayer. Let's just uh, ask the Lord to do just that. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you administer to us through your word. That you would take your word and you would light our path. That you would share with us, Lord, the very principles and truths that were declared, Lord, by your kingdom. Before the beginnings of time, Lord, you knew these things. And I pray that, God, your word would go forth to bring healing and health and wholeness. God, we call out today from the sanctuary, help. We need you. We you, We need you, Lord. And I declare today, Lord, that my ears will be open, that, God, you would open my ears to hear. I, I want to receive from you today, Lord. Let me not, Father God, block out preconceived, or with preconceived ideas what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Let your word bring life as it's released into this place to do that which you intended before the beginning of time for that word to do in this moment. Thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's go through this again. In verse 12, it says, while he was, uh, talking about Jesus, while he was in one of the cities, so in, in one of the cities he was in Galilee, in the region of Galilee, traveling about from city to city, and there came, in one of these cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, when those lepers saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, I talked a few weeks back, we've been going through this, I talked about, uh, the, in the beginning, the physical and the emotional pain of leprosy. Leprosy is a horrible, horrible disease that brought tremendous physical pain and, and, and disformity and all sorts of issues and problems in the, in the physical realm. It did that. But then in the emotional realm, I think it does even more damage. It begins to create an identity for a man uh, or a woman that isn't what God intended, and the emotional pain of calling out, unclean, unclean, could be overwhelming in a person's life. I I think the emotional part was just as, if not more damaging than the physical pain of leprosy. And this man here that comes to Jesus, Dr. Luke, in his investigation, found that this man was full of leprosy. So he was in full-blown leprosy mode. He He probably had missing parts off of his face. He probably had missing fingers or toes or different parts of his body. He was in that place where I'm sure he was emotionally just completely drained of who he ever was. He was somebody that he never thought he would be. He was dirty. He was unclean. And out of that identity, because of this sickness, he called out, unclean. And then Jesus. Jesus didn't just speak to this man. But Jesus did what was religiously unacceptable. And Jesus went and Jesus touched the man. He touched this man that was unclean. He touched this man that was dirty and defiled, this man that was, honestly, he was disgusting in the way in which he would have looked. And Jesus, in that moment, he began to minister to this man's identity. That was the first thing he did, was begun to restore who this man was. I, I love it that Brother George talked about this last week because, uh, uh, again, it just shows how God is doing something in these moments to, uh, in the church, in the body of Christ as he brings these things together. And so Jesus begins to minister to this man's identity and he reaches out, he touches this man, and, and he heals him. Praise God, amen? Amen. Nothing is impossible for him. And in verse 14, it says, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. And so we we talked about that place where it says that Moses commanded. He's talking about the law or, or the, the the books of Moses, what Moses had written, and we talked specifically about Leviticus chapter fourteen about the sacrifices and about what was required of somebody who was being cleansed of leprosy. And how that all related to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would become and how it remains still relevant to you and I. How what happened in Luke 14, Jesus took back to Leviticus, or, or in Luke chapter 5, he took back to Leviticus chapter 14 so that it could minister to you and I today. Amen. And through this revelation, he shows us and reveals the doctrine of expiation, which is that Jesus then may, is the one who makes us clean amen and that brings us to where we are today and in verse 15 he says this but now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered and they gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities so these crowds are coming these people are flocking and they're coming to hear him preach and to be healed well what's jesus gonna do how is Jesus going to respond in this just overnight kind of success? I mean, imagine what would have been going on. The word gets out that Jesus, he's healing lepers. He heals lepers. There's no copay, there's no deductible, there's no two day callback. You don't have to. Nothing. I mean, this guy's healing people. Can you imagine how quickly the people would have begun to form a line? Hurry up. I'll go get in line. Go get Uncle Bob. Drag him down here. Get somebody. I mean, come on. Let's get him. Jesus is healing people. And these people are flocking to Jesus. Come on. They're flocking to him. And what's he going to do? I mean, church, listen. This, if you read about this and you think about it in just in the reality of what was happening, this is like the ultimate in ministry success. I mean, every pastor, every minister, we certainly, and, and let me just, I'm not trying to be carnal. But man, we want people to come hear the preaching of the word. Amen. You know, I want you, I want you to come. I want you to come because your friends bring you. I want you to stay because you want to hear the preaching of God's yes. word. And, and so that's, that's what I, we all long for. And then for the, uh, for the expression or the healings that would come and the people that were being touched, and what a, a powerful time. Not just were they hearing the word, but they were experiencing the power of God. This is the ultimate in ministry success. And so what is Jesus going to do? Is Jesus just going to keep pouring in? Is Jesus just going to keep going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a week, a year, just go, go, go? No, he's not. Man, I think about that, what would I do? I'd be like, guys, you know what? We're riding this wave. I, just being honest with you. I mean, let's, let's go. I mean, God starts to move and do that. We're gonna, you know what? We're gonna see where God's at work and we're gonna join him. Amen. Yep. But Jesus does something really unexpected here. And I want you to see this. That Jesus, with all this going on, Jesus rests and recovers with the Father. It says in verse 16, but Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. The NIV says this, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. You know, and, and in fact, in, in the Gospels, it tells us that Jesus, he withdrew to such desolate places that they couldn't find him. So either Jesus was really good at hiding, or the disciples were really bad at hide and seek. Okay, They could not find him. He went to these desolate places, and he was out there, and he was out there. Honestly, another way of saying it is he went up to be alone with the Father. Church, he just went to be alone with the Father. So see all this is going on and all these people, the lines are forming, the lines are there. And Jesus leaves town. Can you imagine what that was like for the people that had been standing in line? I mean, there was huge crowds. These lines were forming. And for many that were standing in line, this had to have seemed cruel. Can you imagine just the, the internal discussion, if not between these family members or people that were there well wait what why, why did he why is he walking away healed? Why did she get touched by God What, what about me why, why did why did she, look, I come from a better family than she does. Does he know what she did i 've served i 've done this i 've all these things what why? And where did Jesus go? What's going on here? What's, guys, where is this? What's going on? Where did he go? When's he coming back? I can only imagine in that line of people, just like for us, there were those who were asking themselves this question. Doesn't Jesus care? Doesn't he care? What's going on? And I think there's a lot of people who ask that question. And these people were in line there and they're they're standing there waiting for Jesus because where else can they go? Not too many people in that day were curing lepers. And so these people have been standing in line. Some of them maybe a day, maybe a couple of days standing in line. And it would appear to me, perhaps, and for some of them, it would appear that Jesus is being unkind or selfish. That that Jesus in this time was just uncaring. But, church, he's not. Again, remember that Jesus in this lifetime, he was also, not only was he prepared to go to the cross but he was preparing you and I in the way in which he lived to to go to the cross as well, to pick up our cross and to follow him. He became the example in our lives that he gave for you and for me that as followers of Christ, okay, again, this is one of those Pastor Markisms, okay? As followers of Christ, that means we follow Christ. All right, write that down, okay? I don't want you to forget that one. Listen, you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was doing exactly what the Father called him to do. Listen, he was was not doing everything he could possibly do. He was doing everything that he is called to do. Because again, we have to remember this, that when Jesus came into this world, he came into this world, God himself took upon himself flesh. God became a man, and he took upon himself flesh. And when he took upon himself flesh, he also took upon himself certain limitations of the flesh. I mean, there were certain limitations that came with that. Otherwise, how would God ever be able to identify with us in the limitations that you and I walk in? But the Bible tells us that he's able to identify with us in every one of those respects. And that means this. It means that Jesus had to eat. His flesh demanded it. That Jesus needed something to drink. That Jesus needed to go to the bathroom. That he needed rest. That Jesus needed to get some sleep. Jesus needed a day off. My goodness, God called. God took a day off. And Jesus needed this. Why? Because otherwise his flesh was going to get overloaded. His flesh was going to die. He was going to become unhealthy. It's a point where sometimes we may not like some of these things, but I think we have got to confront some of these things in our own life. Jesus in his life here, he couldn't just work I mean, healing people 24 hours a day, every day, 365 days out of the year. He has to manage. And I want you to listen to this. He had to manage his time. But he also had to manage his energy. And again, don't go off into some new age way of looking at this whole energy thing. You know what it's like when you're drained of energy? You know what it's like when you're feeling empty? You know what it's like when you're just, <sighs> and, and, and I think we in this world today, we live in a world that just really, I mean, really insists on time management. There are time management seminars, there are time management uh, conferences, there's time management books, there are time management profits out there. I think that we really need to consider, even more importantly, energy management. How do you manage your energy? Let me ask you this. Where are you spending your energy? Who are you spending your energy on? Do you know? To be honest, if, you're not, if you haven't taken the time to stop and to write those things down, I can pretty well guarantee that you don't know. And, and you all know what it feels like. You know what it feels like when you you have a talk or meeting or something with with a person and you walk away from that meeting just feeling totally drained. Man, that sucked the energy just right out of me. You also know what it's like when you're in a meeting and you walk out feeling so good. You feel energized. You just feel like, man, I I am so glad I spent time there. Now, I'm not saying that we avoid people that drain the energy from us. I'm not saying that. Some people need that help in their life. I'm saying that we do need to manage that. So you need to know so that you can. Where those, I, I think you sit down and, and on a piece of paper, put six, six, five, six, seven things over here, five, six, seven things over here. These are the things, that, man, these are the people, these are the places where, man, it just energizes me. And over here, these are the things that just suck the energy out of me. Because if you don't do that, then you won't know. And what's sad is that the places, I mean, the people in our life that will suck the energy are the ones who scream the loudest. So write that down. You need to know. You need to know who that is. And then this is also equally important. And again, I'll share with you in Jesus' life why I believe this is so. And the second question is, are you being recharged? Are, are, you, are you being recharged? And the question would be, well, then how? I, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about how much time you spend on the golf course, okay? The golf course is not the place where we get recharged. That can be a place where we get refreshed. But it can also be a detriment to, the, to keeping us from going out and never getting recharged. Are you being recharged? And then the question is how? Do you know? And again, if you haven't defined some of those things, then just educated guess, if you have not defined those things, then you're not doing those things. Because those things don't happen on accident. Jesus didn't just accidentally get filled up and recharged. Church, listen, Jesus did it on purpose. He knew what he was doing. And he made a point to do that. Look at Jesus in His life. Here in this life, He poured Himself out. Jesus gave everything He had. He was uh, uh, preaching and teaching. We, we talked about that in Luke chapter four, and I talked with you and shared with you how exhausting it is. It may not look like it, but it is exhausting to be preaching and teaching. I, I only do it for you know on Sundays for you know three, four hours, five, six hours if you guys are lucky. <laughs> Just kidding, <clears throat> but. Jesus was doing that over and over and over and over again. There are some guys that preach almost every day and I just don't know how they do it because it is exhausting to, to preach. And Jesus was preaching and teaching. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. We, we went through that whole story. He was healing people. He was going through all these things that we read about in the Gospel of Luke. And here he is in this place. And you know what? In the limitations of his flesh, he was tired. He was tired. And I want you to see, and it was not that there was not people that needed him. It was just that in his flesh, there was nothing left to give. And church, he realized it. He knew it he realized what was going on. He realized that his bucket was empty. And what is so different sometimes from Jesus to us is that Jesus knew it. He recognized it. He knew it. And what did he say? He said he needed to go to a desolate place. What Jesus needed when his bucket was empty and he knew it, I need to go spend some time with my father. I need to go spend some time getting filled back up and the only way I can do it is, with my, is spending time with my father. I bet he even turned off his cell phone. Amen. Novel idea, amen? Yeah, okay. I, I, and again, and how, how blazingly arrogant do we think we are to think that if Jesus needed to do that, that we don't. This is God in the flesh that recognized and knew the need to go spend time getting filled back up with the Father. Who do we think we are to think that we don't? And I'll tell you how this all works physiologically. So when, when we're on, when we're going, when things are happening, when we're just really, uh, you know, just, just hitting it, and I mean, we're just, you know, after it and things are going good and you got this this happening and this happening, and you're multitasking and you're just going and you feel strong and you see, feel powerful and, and you feel alert, you just feel like everything's going your way, you got great focus. Well, why? Because physiologically when you get going like that your body starts to produce adrenaline and cortisol you 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 start firing those adrenaline glands and you start firing up these things in your body that start to really cause you to move and i feel good these fight and flight kind of uh, places of of energy and thought and just ready to go and you're strong things are good and you're going and you're riding on this high the adrenaline and the cortisol it's going and it feels good and then you crash it's inevitable then we crash and what happens then? what do you do then? you, you have one of two options church one you can accept your limitations you can accept the fact that you have limitations in your flesh And you can do what Jesus did. And you can unplug from these places and things and you can plug yourself into the Father. You can go be with Him. You can go away. You can go to a desolate place and whether it's your prayer closet or whether it's a place in the mountains, man, I went and spent a whole day up in the mountains a little while back. It was like the best thing that I just, it, it just completely, my outlook driving up was completely different than my outlook driving down. Church, we, we have to unplug and go be with him to get your day off, to get your time, to get into a place, not where you're out there golf, but a place where you're spending time in prayer. You're spending time resting. You're spending time recovering. Well, I don't have time for that. I dare say you don't have time not to. That's one option. Or the other option, you can do what. I have, sadly to say, done for the past 15 to 20 years. And you can um, pound down more coffee. You can get all the caffeine you can. I mean, you can just say yes to the Mountain Dew. You know what? You can take crack in a can and just keep on shoveling the Red Bulls down. You can get yourself addicted to carbs and sugar, and just get yourself you know, on this place where you're, you're amping yourself up. Why? So that you can get amped up to kick in those adrenal glands and get yourself high on adrenaline and high on the cortisol again. And you can combine all those things together with stubbornness and self-will. And I can push through. I can do this. And please, I am not saying that's what you should do. I am telling you, church, and and trying to be honest with you about the fact that that's what I have done. And the last couple of years of my life have been really, really difficult because of that. And I didn't understand it. And I didn't know what was going on. What is happening, God? Why am I going through these feelings? Why am I experiencing this, this stuff? Have you changed your mind towards me, God? What's going on in my life, Lord? Because, church, I had put myself into a a dangerous position emotionally and physically. I was, and I'm still working on it, but I was completely stressed out. I was filled with anxiety, creating insomnia. At that point, I was 40 pounds overweight, I was carrying all of this not just weight, but I was carrying all this burden that was creating all of these issues in my life. I mean, blood pressure was going up. The doctor said, called me, said I'm, I'm pre-diabetic. Man, and I felt I was on this fast course towards self-destruction. Yeah. And when I made some choices to change and to make some differences in my life, I'll tell you what, it wasn't spiritually motivated. It wasn't because of all of this. I've learned all of this since I've made some choices to change. The thing that motivated me to change was I wanted to see my little grandsons grow up and I wanted to see them get married and I wanted to meet their children. I wanted their papa to be able to pronounce blessing over my great-grandkids. And I knew that if I didn't make some changes... I very likely may not make it to their wedding, let alone to the grandkids, or the great grandkids. And, and church, I know that some of you are workaholics, but I, I dare say this. You're not really addicted to the work. You're addicted to the high. You're addicted to the adrenaline rush the cortisol high. Because why? Because it feels good to be going. It feels good to be doing. It feels good to be productive. But church, with every action, there is always a reaction. And there's this reaction. And so if you push hard, you're going to crash hard. Uh, Listen, a drug addict that just gets wasted, man, they crash really, really hard. And what happens even without drugs that even without, what happens when we push 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 and we depend on this adrenaline and cortisol in our system and we push 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 what happens when we start to come down when we crash and what happens is you get depressed you start to that's the place where you're the most easily tempted that's that point where you become grumpy no energy Don't want to do anything. I I can't even mentally make a clear decision. I've got this fogginess that I can't seem to get out of. And and isn't it? It's crazy that things that were, were easy decisions just a little while ago, now I can't decide whether it's up or down, yes or no. Standing there in front of the bread, wondering what kind of bread do I buy? What's wrong with me? I hate it. And so, what do we do? We do whatever it takes to kick into those adrenal glands and to get those things kicked up, to get that cortisol production up because we need this. I got to have this. I need to push through. And we push through and we push through and push until finally you break. We get to this place, and that's when we have these serious panic attacks. Oftentimes, that's where the heart attack shows up. Stroke. Major depression. Serious suicidal thoughts. Church, we'll get to this point, and we will. We, we Again, I think you see it around you. We get to this point where some sort of... of physical breaking point has reached this weak spot in our anatomy and it shows up in these times where we're broken and empty because we have not seen the effects. We haven't looked at the symptoms and the effects and dealt with the core problem. I've been doing, as I told you, a lot of research and, a lot of th- and, and some of the, the medical uh, journals and different places that have the negative effects of some of these things and and in a a simple thing and there's a lot more but let me just share with you 12 negative effects of high cortisol and adrenal levels over a long period of time and see if any of this rings true hypertension how many people are taking high blood pressure medications anxiety and depression how many people today are on antidepressants Heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, insomnia, weight gain, diabetes, muscular tension, low libido, poor digestion, fertility problems, irritability. And what do we do? And it's kind of sad reading through many of the medical journals and medical articles about these things. Well, what do you do? You prescribe antidepressants. Number one selling prescribed category of medication in in our nation. Or if we don't go there, what do we do? We start to self-medicate. We'll start to take drugs. Oftentimes is where people start to, you know, that, that's where a speed or a meth addiction starts is in some of these things. Some of the, we self-medicate ourselves with alcohol or, or maybe we do it in, in, in relationships, sex, pornography, shopping, food. It's self-medicating. And church, I want you to see this, okay? And I'm I'm sharing this with you today because I love you. Jesus doesn't do any of those things. He he still walked in this flesh. And this is what I also found amazing is in reading some of the recent medical journal things, today, psychologists and psychiatrists and sociologists and, and MDs, they will tell you this. If you pour yourself out, you should expect to be depleted. Isn't that amazing? And they're also saying that, and the very best thing that you can do the reason they have to, to prescribe so many antidepressants is because people won't do the best thing that they say to do. And the best thing that they say to do, listen, they, say, they use all sorts of different names for it, but it boils down to this. They say the best thing you can do is silence and solitude. Hmm. Well, that's weird. I know this guy that did that.
1: <laughs> amen.
0: His name is Jesus. Come on, Amen. Just Jesus did this, Jesus spent time, and, and maybe, just maybe, okay, again, another Markism. Maybe if Jesus did it, we should do it. Come on, amen? I know, I know, and it's totally amazing to me, it's amazing that 2,000 years later, the doctors are saying, basically, the doctors are saying this, you know what we found out over these last years? Do what Jesus did. Yes, amen. (laughs) That's what they're saying. If you read it, it, that's what they're doing. And look at Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew what he was doing. He had the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. He went and spent time with the Father and then he poured himself out. He poured out everything he had and when his bucket was empty, he went to get refilled with the Father because he knew that was the only place he could get refilled. It wasn't on the golf course. It wasn't in front of the television. It wasn't out partying. He went and got filled up in times of silence and solitude with the Father. He went and got in his his daddy's lap Amen. and can't you imagine what was going on back home all the people that are there they you know well jesus wait a minute you have two o'clock appointment here jesus the waiting room is full you're overbooked what are we jesus Jesus, where are you going? I'll be back. No, no, Jesus. No, where are you going, Jesus? I'll be back. Jesus, when when will you be back? I'll be back when my bucket is full. Yes, amen. And and when I come back, I'm going to give you everything I got. And that's what Jesus did. Yes, it's what he poured out. That was his habit. That was his practice, to get alone with the Father. And I want you to see something else that I recognized in this. That Jesus, he took care of the leper. Come on, praise God for that. Yes, he, did. he took care of the leper In physical ways, in emotional ways, in spiritual ways, in every way. He ministered to that leper out of the fullness of of who he was, of who the father was in him. But I want you to see that Jesus, not only did he take care of the leper, but Jesus also took care of himself. Uh, here's Here's some of the convicting part. I don't have time for that. You don't have time not to. You need to be aware of this. You know, Jesus, he took care of the leper and he took care of himself. If you don't do like Jesus did, if you don't pay attention to your body, if you're not willing to live within the limitations that God gave you, if you're not willing to trust him in those limitations, you will not be able to walk in the prolonged productivity like Jesus did. You just won't, and that's true for all of us. And I want to just take a moment and share with you four specific groups of people that will really, really struggle with this. But I also would dare to bet that each and every one of you will find yourself, at least in one way, shape, or form, included in these four groups of people that will struggle with an empty bucket. And the first one is, is people that are just intense. Any intense people here? You know what that's like. I mean, everything's just, listen, until the last few years, I just did not think I had a graduated spectrum. I just, it was like on and off. That was all I had. It was on and off. And over the last few years, not just out of, you know, my choice, but out of just sheer not having any of the energy to do it or the will to do it. But some of you have this ability to go out and to, you know, go out and, you know, at 50%. I, 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 don't, I don't know how you do it. You know, I, I was, as I was thinking about that, I, you know, you teach me. I, then I thought, I don't know if I want to know that. <laughs> but man, it, you know, it, it's like, Being intense about this thing and intense, and you can't just do something, you got to do it all. You can't, you you have a hard time handing things off to somebody to do something because you've got to do it all. You just got this intensity, and people don't have the same intensity. And if they don't have the same intensity, they don't care like I care. So I need to do this because it seems like I'm the only one that cares, and I got to do this and I got to do it right. And people like that have got to be so careful about the places and the things that they commit themselves to because when you commit yourself, you're going to give a hundred percent you are going to give everything you have. And when you're at the end of that project or that thing you've committed yourself to, you're going to be emptied. Totally given. You've got to be careful about that. There's also those of you that are caregivers. You need to be careful if you are a, a caretaker or a counselor or a caseworker or a foster parent. If you work in hospice, if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you're a drug treatment counselor, if you're an EMT, you need to be careful. You're a caregiver, and everybody that you come across, your job is to empty yourself out for people that are needy and people that need you, and they need your help, they need your attention, they need your focus, and you're going to be emptied out all the time. I I hear it. I mean, how many nurses just end up at the end of the day completely just drained Completely out of it. Going back to work the next day. Jacked up on coffee. Because they're not getting filled up. But they're being constantly emptied out. Your bucket, if you're a caregiver, your bucket's going to be emptied out all the time. You need to realize that. There's also those who are high capacity leaders. A high capacity leader are those who, who are, are are you see the need for leadership in all these different areas and all these different things. Like Jesus. I mean the needs are never ending. They're always out there. You could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it wouldn't even begin to take care of all the needs you see that need to be taken care of, all the things that need to be ministered to, all the things that need to be done. There is always way more needs. Listen, there's all for a high-capacity leader, there's always way more needs that need to be taken care of than you have the ability to take care of. So not only are you emptied out, but oftentimes you feel like you've failed. And then the last, uh, this group, people that honestly just have a small emotional bucket. Just do not have the capacity for a lot of high energy emotional things. That just, you just, can't handle strife you can't handle controversy you can't handle conflict in any way and and when you do it just completely drains the life out of you and you're sucked dry in that moment and it just doesn't take anything and you're emptied out i think that probably most all of us would see ourselves in one way shape or form in those categories and those categories, the people that find themselves in those categories are very susceptible, particularly susceptible to stress and to burnout and to depression. To physically and, and, and emotionally, mentally, spiritually breaking. Now, for this would be for most of you because for most of you, I mean, if you're younger right now, you think that all this stuff doesn't even pertain to you. What in the world are you talking... What are you talking about? I got this cape on, this S on my chest. I'm feeling good. Everything's great. I don't need to sleep. I don't need this. I don't need all these things. I'm go, go, go. You know what? You have fresh adrenal glands that are pumping cortisol and adrenaline into your system. You are temporarily insane. (laughs) That is just purely what happens. This is what I love about Jesus. Not only did Jesus take care of the leper, but he also took care of himself. And church, we'll go into this in the coming weeks, but how much would his flesh have limited him? And again, don't I'm not being sacrilegious. Jesus, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Okay? God in the flesh. He never stopped, never ceased being God. He always has, always will. He was God as he walked in this earth. But as a baby, he still had those limitations. He walked in those limitations as he grew. And I wonder how much those limitations would have affected him had he not taken the time to go be with the Father, to go get filled up, to just go get replenished, how much would it affect him? And we'll talk a little bit about this in the coming weeks because his next stop in, in the Gospel of Luke, his next stop is where the paralytic was dropped down on the mat. Well, I want to tell you, that story is a whole lot, about a whole lot more than just a, a, a paral- parapolitic man being lowered down before Jesus. It's about a whole lot more than that. Jesus needed to be filled up for that occasion. He took care of himself. Are you taking care of yourself? This convicted me this week, especially this week as I've been studying for this, and and I, I had a number of meetings with the pastors in our convention, our convention meetings about with pastors about things that are coming up in a side of Grace International, our oversight, and um, in these meetings, you know, I realized, you know, most pastors are not in very good shape. Most pastors push too hard. Most pastors work too many hours. They're the ones that are taking every call that comes and, and trying to answer all those calls that come, trying to keep up with the things that are going on. People don't know what's happening in your life, and people think that you know, you're, you're, you're blowing them off or you're, you're this or that if you can't get to it and you've got these things going on. And I realize in all these conference calls that, that these guys, man, these guys are... are killing themselves. Most of them, you know, were, like I said, just overweight, out of shape, completely just this emptiness. And, and why? Well, they would say, because I, I'm just helping hurting people. And all the while, you're hurting yourself. And ministry leaders can be the least healthy of them all. Whether we're just, well, Jesus will take care of me. Ministry leaders, you know, out of shape physically and emotionally. So many, you know, overweight and out of touch with their own needs. Are you in touch with the needs of your body? So many people today... And especially in in, in ministry situations, so many people today are overwhelmed with the guilt of all the things they didn't do. Overwhelmed with the guilt of all the things that I couldn't do, all the things I couldn't respond to. Overwhelmed with the guilt of all of these things. Listen, church, I want you to please hear this. Jesus worked out of conviction, not guilt. Jesus was motivated by conviction, not by guilt. And guilt guilt comes from people. Conviction comes from the Lord. Guilt and condemnation comes from all the things that that you didn't do for them, all the things you couldn't get done for them, all the things that should have been done for them. Guilt, it comes from this person as well. We become feeling guilty and, and con- condemned because of the things that we don't accomplish or the things that we didn't do- get to. The people that needed help that we couldn't be there to help, and it creates this guilt. And all of a sudden, we're motivated out of guilt. Well, conviction comes from God. You know, conviction it flows from a place in us that makes us feel good about the future. It comes from the Father. As he causes us in conviction, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us, not to condemn us. He brings this conviction that helps us to make changes in our life so that we can begin to feel better about where we're going, so that we can feel better about the call of God in our life, so that we can feel better about what God is doing in us and through us. Conviction comes from the Father. And church, if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not spending time Getting alone with the Father on a daily, weekly, or even, you know, monthly basis. I don't mean in exclusion from one another. I mean in addition to each other. If you're not taking the time to spend time and to get alone with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, then the odds are really great that your life is being motivated out of guilt. Because conviction comes from God. And we need to spend time with him to really receive that. To receive that time in his word, that time in prayer, that time just being alone, meditating, not in a goofy way. Meditating scripturally is declaring, reading the word of God to yourself, calling out to yourself. And so I want, as I finish up here, I want to declare this to you. You don't need my permission, I know that but I think some of you need to hear it. I give you permission to pour yourself out into the needs of others. I give you permission to pour your heart out in helping others that need your help. And I also give you permission to make sure that you take care of yourself. Yes,
1: amen.
0: Jesus said there will always be poor among you. You can't answer every need. That's why God says you need to respond. You need to answer his call in your life. Worship team, would you come back up? One of the things that we need to see is that Jesus, Jesus is able to do both. He did both. And so Jesus transforms this leper's life. He he does this miracle, transforms this leper's life, and then Jesus goes off to be with the Father. He goes off to a desolate place. He takes care of himself. He spends time alone with the Father. He realizes his weaknesses. He realizes that in the flesh, he had this desperate need to be filled back up, and Jesus goes off, and he goes to be with the Father. He stays with the Father until he is filled back up, and when he gets filled back up, now he has got more energy to go pour himself out, to give the very best of the best to those that he's got around him he gives the very best listen jesus gave out of his very best not out of the leftovers in his life jesus gave out of strength he didn't give out of weakness jesus gave as god called him to not out of con- or condemnation when he's filled back up he takes that energy and what does he do he pours himself out and he pours himself into the life of that paralytic Thank you, Lord. i want you to see this Jesus, when he went off to a desolate place, Jesus was not done. He wasn't done. He was just going. He was unplugging himself from work so that he could go plug himself into the Father. And when he had gotten filled up, he plugs himself back into the ministry again. He didn't quit. He didn't retire. He didn't. I... He just went to go plug in to the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each one that's here. I pray, God, for ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I pray, God, that you would speak to those that are in difficult places right now, that, God, you would bring the conviction of your word and the Holy Spirit that would encourage us to the changes that need to be made. God, speak to each one that's here. Speak to each one. You know, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, for, for just a moment, let me ask you how many of you here are in that empty place? You're just empty. I, I've been running on fumes and I am burned out. I am stressed out. I am anxious. I am empty. And it's making me sick. And I, I need help. You, you've been running on adrenaline and, and cortisol and, and it's causing you to make decisions from empty. Choices that you make out of weakness rather than the fullness of God and the strength that he would provide. How many of you would say, Pastor Mark, we pray for me today? This is where I'm at. Come on, where's your hands at? Show me your hands. There we go. God wants to minister to you. Just let him right now. Just let him. So open up your arms to heaven and say, God, I need you. I need you. How many of you today find that your life is being more, you're motivated out of of guilt to what you do rather than the conviction? Listen, from the front to the back, from one side to the other, you need to make a decision right now first and foremost decision that needs to be made is that Jesus Christ would be Lord and Savior of your life if you don't know God then you don't have the opportunity to find the rest of God you need him in your life and you need to call out to him today ask him ask him come into my life I am a sinner and I need a Savior I am overwhelmed with this life Lord God and I need you Jesus, I believe you truly are the Son of God. I believe you are who he said he is. That you are God that came into this world to pay the penalty for my sins and that you did that so that I could find eternal life, Lord, eternal life with you. Lord, come into my life. That's the first decision that needs to be made some of you even as Christians need to make some decisions right now some decisions before it's too late before you find yourself sick and not able to find health see Jesus he he knew the limitations and the needs of his own flesh just take a moment right now. Just keep your head bowed and and just spend a little bit of time just calling out to the Lord and asking Him to fill your life. God, I need You. I need You to direct my path. I need You, Lord, to show me how You're calling me to these times with You. Lord, when is it that You're calling me to come be away? Listen, Adam was called in the cool of the day. And that's when God came into the garden to spend time with him. He still wants that with you. Will you respond to the conviction that God brings? Make that decision today. this song minister to you as you pray as you spend a little bit of time right now just take a couple of moments here and I will say if you need some prayer today this altar is open if you're in that place of empty and drained and you're just really struggling where it's gotten beyond just a decision we want to stand with you in prayer and this altar is open for you so as we and I'm just going to ask you not to stand up right now, just to stay seated for a moment. And to let God minister to you right now. Just listen to the song and let God refresh you. But if you've got that need and need some prayer, we want to join with you. And uh, this altar is open, so you can step out and. Lord we thank you for the day that you've given us Lord we thank you that you are near you are closer Lord than we could even begin to imagine that you Lord God are so wonderful and such a loving God that you bring us Lord things to help us and to improve on our lives where we could walk Lord in a strength that only you could provide God I pray for those today that are receiving your word let it be by power and by might that you administer Lord to each one not by what we deserve, but by the what the grace of our almighty God desires to have poured out. And we receive that today. we we'll just receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen, I love you. I do. I love you, church. I hope that you receive today what I'm sharing with you in love. And I also want to remind you, church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the church. Go be the light. Go be what this community needs. God bless y'all. Have a great day. Don't forget, get plugged into a life group. Find them online. You can find them in the app. Go get plugged into a life group. God bless y'all.